0: Everybody, welcome to Money Lab Live. We're here. We're live. It's Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. My guest today is Corbett Barr. Welcome to the show, Corbett.
1: God, this is so professional. I love it. I could hear the music. Everything is just...
0: You heard everything.
1: You're at the top of your game right now, Matt. I am. Yeah, this is it.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate that. That's awesome. I mean, this is, it's not me. I mean, I'm just doing what the tools that were given to me, the things that I can do with them, you know?
1: Yeah. But I feel like so few people, actually, there's all kinds of people doing this, I'm sure on other platforms. It's just, I'm not privy to it. So it, it feels good. It feels good to be part of it. Also, I have to say, I don't know if you know this, but you're one of my favorite people to talk to. About business stuff in general, but especially if it's for a podcast or anything else, because we just always get into good stuff. So I'm excited to be here today. Thank what you.
0: do you mean by that? Like I, honestly? Uh,
1: well, I I value your opinion. You always you always help me think through things, and um, we have fun at the same time. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh... It's funny because I always considered you, and I, I literally have a question about this, but like, all right, I think I said it in my email today. It was like, I always considered you sort of the reason I am who I am on, on online and in business. Um, obviously, I was searching for, way back in the day, I heard you on, and I've I, again, I've told this before, but like I've heard you on Pat Flynn's show way back, like 2009 maybe, right? And then I... Yeah from there i you were talking about you had think traffic at the time it was thinktraffic.net and and that is exactly what like you everything you said i was like this is literally what i needed to hear and from there i was like okay this is like you just had it and then you came out and then you changed think traffic to fizzle and then it was and then you it was like 200 and something dollars it was like pretty expensive in the beginning and i was like and I, at the time i wasn't a able to afford that and then you were like it's a monthly membership now and i was like and it was like a dollar and i was like i have nothing to lose at this point and then i've like literally been in it ever since so i again like i i, I say this every time but thank you
1: well i mean you made it easy look at you running <laughs> like five businesses at once
0: three now mastering Let's be honest
1: mastering mastering ecam. i'm the sky's the limit
0: I mean, this is all I did yesterday. Was master this? I have a, I have my stream deck. I have my fingers on the pulse on the buttons. I can do this. I can flip back and forth. I can jump to this.
1: <laughs>
0: so, uh, let's 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 talk about the thing, the big the big thing for you. Um, yeah. I have a bunch of questions because, I, well, one, I just want to start out with, um. And i'm just going to read this off my list here because you have several different names for what you just recently did i mean i'm assuming you've already done it um but what is the best phrase to describe what you're doing is it a digital reset a digital reboot starting over deleting everything or digital house
1: cleaning why i've said all those things probably right um i would say i'd call it a digital housekeeping and and that's only because, you know, I'm not completely starting over. The inspiration for this initially came from my wife is an artist, a painter. And mm-hmm. we had heard a number of artist talks over the years where artists had a fire in their studio. And it sounds like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. Yeah, But universally, they all said that it allowed them freedom to go in a different direction and actually ended up they looked back on it as a really positive thing and it just made me think about what's the equivalent of like a digital fire it doesn't it doesn't happen i mean i guess you know a server could go down or something but most of us have published things that are all over the place all over the web and so in order to accomplish something similar we have to do it ourselves And, you know, I mean, you've, you've mentioned just in the, in the beginning here, like a bunch of different projects that I've done. So I'm not necessarily the best person to look to, to build something over the long term, perhaps, because I have switched and changed a lot, but at the same time, so much of performing at the top of your game is about being inspired yourself Mm -hmm. and I've just found that over time the things that I published started to feel a little bit like baggage. And and partly that's because, you know, I've been doing this now I've I've been working online since 2004, which is insane.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: and and publishing independently for, you know, 12 years, coming up on 12 years now. And some of the stuff is just irrelevant. Like when I went back and deleted All of my Facebook, all of my Twitter, all of my Instagram posts, there was just so much that was irrelevant fluff. And And you did that. Like you
0: actually went and did that already.
1: I did that. I I literally already deleted all of my social media and started from scratch. And a lot of it was just old, irrelevant fluff. And it felt incredible to get rid of that stuff.
0: Not like you were worried Um, about things you had tweeted in the past that could come back to haunt you, right? Not that.
1: I don't think so. No. I've never, I, I, I wait until it's real late at night and I'm drunk with friends to say things that probably shouldn't be published. I don't do that on Twitter in the middle of the day. I mean, I have, we you should did try drink a bit on the fizzle show in the early days. So we yeah. probably said some, some stuff, but, but that's locked away in a podcast format. People aren't really going to dig into it and you know, sure. they're, not too, worried about
0: <laughs> they're it. too lazy, but,
1: but no, the, the, the deleting of the stuff wasn't wasn't because I was worried about anything that I had said. It was more like, I want to make room for my next chapter. And I don't think it's natural. And I don't think that as a society or as individuals that we've grappled with the fact that it is not natural for everything that we've published to be out there in public available for the entire world to see for all time. And so
0: no go ahead. You know and and yeah. and
1: I think if if you look at if you look at an author or a uh painter or something like that you know the the things that are left in their trail are the really um polished things that they intended to live forever like a book or a painting and their notes and sketches and things like that They come out sometimes like after the person is dead or Mm -hmm. in a retrospective or something, but it's not the, it's not the main substance that you're trying to consume. So it just, again, I think it's not natural. And, um, I experienced like an amazing sort of catharsis and just a a weight being lifted from deleting all that stuff. And it wasn't just social media too.
0: Oh, was there like a, um. a a moment that you had that started this, that was like the catalyst to you wanting to do do all this?
1: Yeah, I would say it was actually a conversation with Vanessa Van Edwards. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so Vanessa is a a close personal friend. Uh, They lived in Portland for a long time. They're in Austin now. And we were talking on the phone. And, you know, business comes up. We ask each other what's going on. And she said, what's going on with you? And and I've kind of had the same situation for a few years. I've had multiple projects going on and I felt like I was kind of not really making any progress because I was just keeping the lights on for all the things right. that I have going on. With with Fizzle and, and just Fizzle mostly? Fizzle and Fizzle, Palapa, right? right. Which is a, a, a software that mm-hmm. I run. Um, I've, I've been doing some consulting lately. I've just got a lot of different projects. and yeah. And I mentioned this to her and she said, you know, you've been saying that for like three years now. Like it's not new, whatever Mm. you've been saying. And I just kind of felt called out. Like I was just sort of living this. This was my truth. Like I kept complaining about feeling stuck and not doing anything about it. And so I decided even if I don't have all the answers, I was going to announce publicly that I was wiping the slate clean and- moving towards my next chapter even if i don't know what that is yet
0: what happened three years ago
1: well three years ago i think as you know uh was when i was here in mexico like i am now uh and chase and melissa his his wife that Chase, my business partner from fizzle was here for a couple of months in the winter and that was the winter when he decided to move on and do his own thing
0: and he was with you when that happened
1: he was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were working like normal and it's it's all good. I mean, we're sure. on completely amicable terms. We talk all the time. I'm super happy for him. But at the same time, I was left running a business that really wasn't meant to be run by one person. Uh and also I had started Palapa, which is a community SaaS product mm-hmm. and it wasn't launched yet. It was like in the middle stages of development. And so I was kind of thrown into a situation where I had to maintain fizzle and get pull up out the door because I felt like beholden to finishing it. Mm -hmm. And so that just took, you know, a couple of years to kind of work through. And I think really pinned me down in a way. And I got very far away from the things that I enjoyed. I sort of forgot how much I enjoyed writing, connecting with people through ideas and, and publishing. And just got really into the operations, the funnels, the servicing, the customer support, all that kind of stuff. And uh, not so much the front facing stuff. So interesting. It just felt it just felt time to to kind of uh, reconnect with those roots. And in order to do so, I felt like I have to get certain things off of my plate. And I, I'm not done with that by any means. I mean, this is this is I think I'm three months into it now, and there's a lot more that's going to come off of my plate.
0: So what like what exactly did you end up so far deleting?
1: So far uh, all of my social media posts, as I said, um, I also deleted when you say social almost, media, you
0: mean like you mean Twitter, Instagram, Facebook like you deleted the posts you didn't delete the accounts, right?
1: I didn't delete the accounts, but I'll tell you that I'm pretty close to canceling Facebook all of my Facebook related stuff, yeah, like Instagram, Facebook. WhatsApp, whatever, just messenger, all that crap, right. Yeah. Facebook is just not good for me. It's not good for the, the world. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of done with it, but, um, Twitter, I think I'll continue with, I've actually been enjoying my time there recently. So, uh, all of my social media posts, I deleted 95% of the archives of my personal blog. I've deleted so far 50% or so of the archives of the fizzle blog and it there's going to be a lot more pruning to go. That
0: is to me, that is a like, that's drastic because you, cause here's the thing you said earlier that you feel like you've changed a lot. You've done a lot of different projects. I don't, I don't, from an outsider's perspective, I don't see that. I see think traffic evolved into fizzle which evolved into Palapa. Like those are not a lot of things over the last how many years? I mean, yeah. ten years, yeah. you know, almost. So maybe even more. I think, you know, like and and Think Traffic has had a lot of great posts. Fizzle had a lot of great posts. You know, what are what are your metrics for deleting stuff like that? Did you do a con like a true content audit? Like, how did you go about like deciding which like left? Did you save those things? You know, like maybe because I what I do is when I delete something. I'll just copy and paste it throw in a word doc and then you know i pretty much never look at it again but i have it
1: yeah totally and and you know look i I realize i i have this privilege of being able to do this because i have income coming in you know fizzle right is solid it's been around for eight years it pays the bills and i'm not going to um there's a lot of good inside of fizzle and the in the community and My intent is to continue running that for the foreseeable future. But I think that there is a lot of things that we do as entrepreneurs that we assume that we need to. And also, once we start doing something, a lot of times it's really hard to stop, or we just kind of get into the habit of keeping things going and we don't evaluate where we're spending our time, where we're spending our energy where we're getting positive feedback and reinforcement from and the things that we're doing that really just kind of feel like chores and that are probably not um a good return on our investment yeah and so you know in this in this effort to remove a bunch of stuff it's like i'm not seeing any revenue impacts because i'm not i'm not going to I'm not going to throw out the, the really core important stuff. And that's, that's getting traffic and and all that stuff. It's getting traffic and, and also, you know, bringing in, in money. Sure. And Justin, Justin Jackson just mentioned in the comments, you know, once we start doing something, it's hard to stop. Right. And, and, you know, and and I've, I've read, I I can tell you that firsthand.
0: I mean, you know, I just, I just stopped a big thing. So I feel like, or I, or maybe I'm the king at stopping. I have no idea. Probably both.
1: (laughs) Totally. That's true. You know. That's true. And it, and it feels good, right? When, when you do stop something, but, right. um, I was going to say that when you look at the, and, and maybe this comes back to the Pareto principle, it's like
0: the what principle?
1: 10%, the Pareto principle. Is that the eighty uh, twenty? This is the eighty twenty rule. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So 10% or even less, maybe 5% of the blog posts on either of my sites, uh, my personal site or the fizzle site, of the blog posts end up bringing in 90% of the traffic. So that means for a site that has, let's say, 400 posts, you can delete all but 20 and really not impact the traffic.
0: And make it easier for people who visit your site to find those important posts because they're not buried in the sea of bullshit.
1: Exactly, exactly. And of course, sometimes there's a difference between the posts that you think are valuable versus the posts that... Get traffic, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know it's not as if SEO is the great arbiter of of like what's important. But uh, if you combine like the SEO posts with like your your greatest hits, the five or ten that you feel like people are going to get a lot of value out of, right? Suddenly you've you've just culled a bunch of that stuff, and there is no way that I can go back and do a good job of editing like you know, oh. between my two sites, like six hundred posts. And there's so many broken links and, and all sure. this stuff that's probably damaging SEO yeah. in the long term as oh, well. I, I know it is.
0: I can yeah. tell you it is. You know I, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know I it's. mean, that's that's exactly how I treat Swim University and all my other sites. With Swim University I mean, since since Michelle stopped writing uh for oh, back in August, like we've actually gone down in posts. Like we're not we're never like increasing the amount of posts. Like when I like we've kind of been hovering at around two hundred. But even today I was like looking at my spreadsheet and going like, there's two posts that I can see right now that could literally that, like I went into analytics, I noticed they're not getting any traffic, but they make a lot of sense to, to consolidate into two other posts. And so I'm like, I'm going to go and do that because why, like, why would they just sit there and live in this? Like as a, as another link that your eyes have to scroll through to skip before you can find the, the post that's actually good.
1: Right, yeah, it's, it's the old like signal versus noise ratio.
0: Right, um, I have a question. I want you to, ex- well, maybe it's not a question. I'm, I'm gonna tell you a statement that you said back to yourself. Oh, great. And I want you to describe that. Um, you said, we should all be consuming and producing it, meaning content, more intentionally in a way that serves us as, to po- as opposed to us serving it. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I, I just wrote a, a big article today about what's wrong with social media and social media has its own goals, right? They want us to spend as much time as possible on these sites mm-hmm. so that we can see more ads essentially. And when you commit to a platform, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, as a creator, not necessarily just as a passive consumer, but as someone who's creating, you know, you've got, if you're going to be spending time on these platforms, you want to be growing, to be connecting with new people, you want to be getting likes, and there's all this emotional stuff wrapped up in it as well, right? They're, they're playing, those platforms are playing with our psychology, and they understand that if we put something out there, we need our friends, the followers, whoever, to be clicking on something to tell us that, to validate us, to make us feel good, that, that people agree with us, that they like us, that we're part of the in-group. And we start just feeding that beast for the sake of feeding that beast, because we, we want that dopamine hit. We want to feel good, all that kind of stuff. And I I think
0: for a business owner, you want traffic, right? You want, you want to sell something, you want whatever. right. Right. And, and I do believe there's a difference, right? There's a difference between r- being on Facebook as a business and being on Facebook as a person. Cuz I clearly see a lot of people out there who use Facebook for ads to sell their thing, even though they themselves like you and I absolutely hate Facebook. You know, yes. for all the for all the same reasons. Yes. It's such it, to me it's so different, but I I agree with like and I've I've been doing this for a long time, where I don't do social media for business. It doesn't make any sense to me as a business owner. Everything that I want to put out into the world needs to live and be evergreen for me. So if I'm just going to constantly, in your words, feed the beast, right? Constantly feed this thing where every, where like I constantly, my brain never stops. I have to constantly think about the new thing that I'm going to post out there, right? The new whatever. I got to make a video, but that video is going to go onto Facebook, set a handful of people are going to see it. And then they'll never fucking see it again. And to me, as a person who creates things, it's like, that's like, Hey, here's my book, pass it out to everybody. Did you read it? Now give it all back. I'm going to throw it in this fire. Maybe that's totally. the that wrong metaphor, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, Matt, I mean, you've been really good about this when you I, I don't remember which site it was, but I remember you saying that this was either brew cabin or, or Mm -hmm. maybe the roasty coffee or something, but you were saying that you really don't blog. You don't think of what you do as blogging. You think of it as writing articles,
0: but what is blogging?
1: Well, I agree. I mean, in the old days, and, and maybe this is just part of like these stories that were told for so long, like in the old days, blogging was, Continually putting thoughts out there on a A journal, right? A live journal, a journal, right? Right. And a lot like social media where we're just sort of having this ongoing dialogue. Yeah And you and you said, you know on on one of those sites and maybe you do this on all of your sites The purpose of publishing that content was to create You know individual articles that would live forever that people can find that are useful and so on and as you know as I look through our blogs on on fizzle and and my personal blog It's just clear that there was so much that we were throwing against the wall to see what stuck. Mm. And of course, some things do stick, but that partly is just due to the way, the haphazard way, in which I've always approached SEO. You know, I, I, I've always talked about just writing things that people care about and naturally SEO will happen, right? You will end up with some articles that rank really well. Sure. And I never knew which ones those would be. And some some articles would would end up with you know millions of views over the years and a bunch of other ones wouldn't wouldn't do anything. And so um I, I think being intentional about why we're publishing content just makes so much sense. When you mention people advertising on Facebook, I think that's probably a much better use of your time as a business owner to just run ads on Facebook and and don't participate at all, honestly. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that many people that get a lot from participating on Facebook other than disinformation and, <laughs> and well, it and depends on who you follow yourself.
0: too. Like I like I said earlier, uh, when we were tweeting, it was like, I, I have a very healthy relationship with social media because you know, if you look at my Instagram, for example, which I don't really engage, I don't really post pictures cause I don't personally like taking pictures, especially of myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I rather just put myself out in the internet via video for all to see flaws and everything. Um, yeah. So if you look at my Brew Cabin or or my or my personal Instagram, it's just pictures of beer, like the constantly because that's what I like. And they're they're yes. not political. They're not anything. You know, you you like right. one attractive girl, and it's like if you went to the Explore tab, all you see is breasts, golf, and cigars and booze. And I'm like, what did what do, who am i i'm not this person like you clearly don't know me um that's
1: what the algorithm thinks that's who the algorithm thinks you are they because, think i'm a because man because that's like
0: who, a traditional yeah. man
1: yeah i'm not you know and and thinking about instagram it wasn't that long ago that taking a picture of yourself was this incredibly vain act right <laughs> and 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 for a lot of people they they've grown up in an era when a selfie is just a thing. But a selfie, and they is do it with celebrities
0: old. too. Like I don't get that part. Like why?
1: Yeah. Right. Leave them alone. But to take a picture of yourself, to point a camera at yourself. Well, it used to be harder, right? Only- it
0: used to be like you had to, you didn't know if you were in frame because it was like this big, like you had to like roll the the thing and then you had to take True. it. So it was hard to do. Now it's like now True. the fucking camera flips around for you.
1: <laughs> exactly. And and you know, I understand filming a video of yourself because you're trying to deliver a message. Mm-hmm. But what message are you trying to deliver when it's just a photo of yourself? Right? It's this, You're telling a story. It, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 trying to make people jealous of of how beautiful, good looking you are, and you know, where you are, what you're doing, all that. How kind good of your stuff. beers There's look,
0: this, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, how good your beers look, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um but you know when i i looked at my own instagram feed it it's like at some point i just gave in and was doing what everybody else was doing taking sure. pictures of myself in front of a beach and then wondering what what the hell am i doing and what is this all about and so um i and and you know you mentioned today on my article that you're not prone to feeling all those emotions about people liking or not liking your stuff or caring what you say or whatever. But I, I happen to be a little bit more finely tuned to that. And so, you know, posting things on Instagram, especially for some reason, it's one thing if someone likes or doesn't like my thoughts, but it's another thing for some reason when I post a photo or a video of myself and people either like or don't like or comment or don't comment on those things. So hmm. those sometimes those platforms like Instagram were just more problematic for me. Sure. And at the same time, really not doing anything for my business at all right you know i mean you can look at the top traffic sources to to your website and i doubt that instagram makes it at all so you know there's there are other benefits of course twitter has been incredibly useful just for connecting with people for making relationships for um forming opinions for seeing (laughs) what people think about things so that you can decide whether or not it's worth diving into deeper but in terms of actually driving traffic. The social platforms really just haven't meant much to me. And that doesn't mean it's the same for everybody, but I'm just saying. Well, that's what
0: I like. That's my last question on this, because it's it's pretty. I understand what you're doing, and I think it makes a lot of sense because I I feel like what you're doing is a great purge, right? It's the purge, if you will, both one, two and three great movies.
1: I'm I'm coming to murder you. Yep. Yeah.
0: One day, one day a year. Yeah. So you're, you're doing this like massive purge on, for all, all of the things that you've helped produce throughout what, 10, 15 years. I feel like I'm, you know, like I understand what that's like because I do it every year, you know, and have been for a long time. Like when I, back in the day, when I was running Swimming Diversity, I had like 500, 600 posts. And it was like, why is there so many, like, it was just, For me, I'm just such um, a person that doesn't like to have a lot of things to manage. You know, so I like having just like, oh, you know, just the just the right amount. And I think that was just part of my personality as opposed to, oh, I think this is actually going to, you know, help my business in any way. But then um, I went to FinCon one year, uh, which is a financial bloggers conference, and somebody was talking about um, how they were doing like a content audit and how the content audit sort... Without them really knowing about it, it actually helped them with SEO because it just concentrated their site to you know for for the content that they were serving. And what's crazy about that is it's a it's this weird thing that like I believe, and again, there's really no proof to this because Google doesn't tell anybody anything. But the fact that like Google is to some people profiling your business. It's trying to take a snapshot on like what it is, what Fizzle is, what Swim University is. And it's, and, like, and it's so funny because that makes sense because that's what they hire people to actually do. And then when they, now they have robots that can do it. They have AI that can do it. And so when you look at a site like maybe Fizzle, it's like, well, what really is the core value? What is the, what is the snapshot? You know, Who is Corbett? What does he do? If he's a jack of all trades, it's like, is he a developer? Is he a writer? Is he, you know, whatever. And I think it's just, it makes it like, everyone just wants to categorize you and put you in a bucket. And it's like, well, I'm okay with that in certain, you know, lanes. And it's just a matter of like doing that for yourself. And so I, I, what you're doing now must take a lot of work because I I know what it's like to delete a hundred posts and that took weeks, you know, months even.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, that's why this is like a process. I mean, I, I first, I wrote that post saying I'm starting over coming up on three months ago and yeah. I'd say I'm, I'm like halfway through it. And and there's a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, and, you know, I think I'm, I'm ready to make those decisions and tell everybody, you know, officially what's going on and then, and then move forward. But it's, it's been a, the lightening of the load and deleting the stuff is is just part of my process right now to mm-hmm. allow me the room to think about what I want to do next.
0: Do you? So you don't really know what that is yet?
1: Uh, I no, but I do know that there, there's more that's going to be like cut and trimmed. And um, for example, you know the Fizzle Show. It's been mm. three hundred and eighty episodes. And, um, I think it's time to let it exist as a a package on its own. You know, you can, you can go and dig through the archives and so on. Sure. But I think if I'm going to be producing things, podcasts and so on in the future, it's going to be, um, under a different brand, although. Oh, different brand. Not, not, not necessarily a different brand, but a different, it won't be the fizzle show. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, yeah, so, cause I,
0: I wanted to ask how this is all sort of affecting fizzle and palapa and the community at fizzle is is this, yeah. is what you're doing going to like drastically impact that? Or are you still trying to like keep it all together in some way?
1: Well, not, not in the, not in the near term in terms of fizzle, you know, when, again, when you're doing all of this cutting and you're lucky enough, like I am to have revenue streams, Obviously, those are the things that I'm gonna be really careful about. Uh, mm. okay, so you're not doing anything to I'm kind of like
0: to, to jeopardize that in any way. It's not like a drastic right, like i'm I'm deleting all the things and getting rid of everything, right?
1: No, okay, no, not, okay. Not, not, not right now. And okay. you know, and, and partly that's because I, I did uh, instead of a New year's resolution this year, or you know, instead of a an annual review looking back at the things that were that were working traditionally, First, I've been paying a lot more attention to the future, what I want to do in the future. And then also, I came across this this thing that um, Tim Ferriss recommended, which was to look at your calendar, every week of your calendar over the past year, and just ask yourself where you were spending your time. And of those things that you were doing, which of them were positive experiences, which of those were positive for your business, and which were either neutral or negative. And as I look at all of those things, you know, having a, a coaching call with a bunch of people inside of Fizzle, that's a very positive experience mm. for me. I really enjoy getting on live with people and finding out what they're working on and trying to help them like make progress.
0: Like one-on-one.
1: No, uh, no, not necessarily one-on-one.
0: Oh, group. okay. But
1: one-on-one is, is tougher for me um, for some reason. So anyway, looking at all of that stuff, it's clear that there's a lot of things that I really enjoy about Fizzle. So I don't know what, Fizzle is going to be one of the last things that I touch and I don't know what the future is for it, but I do know that I, that there's, there are a tremendous number of people that show up every week that get a ton of value out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm not gonna mess with that for now.
0: Okay, so I kind of want to go into that. I think we kind of covered this digital reset. I am a hundred percent in support of it. You know, I know you don't need my validation, but, uh, I feel like this is going to be, it's so much easier. I know not to have like a lot of things. Like I just left lasso. I don't do list of money matters anymore. I don't do the money lab podcast anymore, although this is replacing it. I'm trying to, for me, double down on the things that really do bring me joy or that, or that are fun to do. I mean, this is actually fun to do now. So, And and to like work on videos and the things that I know that I'm good at, but I've always avoided because I never thought, you know, they would actually help my business in any way, but they really do. Like if you, you know, when you put together something that is important, when you think it's important, at least, you know, you try and put a lot of effort, effort towards, you know, making either, it could be a podcast, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't value a clip of audio unless it's a song the same way, even though it's produced for some reason, that's just me. But like for video, like when you see the effort that goes into making a video, it's like, I don't know, that somehow pays off, you know, same with writing when you can tell when someone tried, you know, to write something as opposed to just like, I had a thought and then shit it out on a blog post.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've done both. Um, But I can tell you that nothing helps form opinions and help you, nothing helps me work through what I think about an issue more than writing, writing more than spending alone, you know, a day, a, a day of research. Oh yeah. What do you oh, mean writing, okay. writing alone?
0: Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I, I'm a, yes, I'm a, I feel like I'm a collaborative writer. I know that's weird, mm. right? Because I will write something and then like give it to Steph or give it to someone else and then have them like either reorganize it or like no or that. And then I'll like kind of change. Like it's, when I think of writing, and I guess it's for me, I'm not like a, I hate being alone with no music or anything. Like I have to, like, I do it in chunks because I can't sit there for that
1: long. No, I like give me two days to like yeah. research and, and just spend writing something. And that's, that's my happy place. Hmm. And, you know, I kind of deprived myself of that for a long time. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think, uh, recognizing what, your recognizing where you derive pleasure and where your business derives value in terms of your activities is, is something we all need to pay a lot more attention to. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing can be said of individual pieces of content or, you know, different platforms. Like you mentioned podcasting. Uh, I think a lot of people got into podcasting because it was a really, um, popular thing to it was do a cool for thing to a do. while. Yeah, it, was, it cool. was a cool thing to do, and and I'll and I'll tell you that you know it's easy. Of Fizzle, it is. It can be easy, especially if you're interviewing people. Yeah, it can be easy. This is um, so easy. But but growing an audience for a podcast is a really really hard yeah. thing to do. And yeah, with Fizzle, we uh you know we have 300 you know 80 episodes or something, mm-hmm. and whenever we actually tried to track it. It looked like maybe around fifty percent of our um, new signups at times were coming from the podcast, so it was a really valuable thing. But we struggled to get more than say ten or twelve thousand average downloads per episode. Uh, some episodes, you know, might get twenty or thirty thousand. But I can write an article that will drive. Mm. Hundreds of thousands of of page views over the years, yeah, and continue forever, to forever, right. Whereas, whereas a podcast episode, you record it and it's just kind of gone.
0: Yeah, it's similar to social media, right? It's like it just kind of like it goes into the, the ethos. It just like vanish, like it kind of just like you're like sending it out in the space and it just never comes yeah. back. But like that's interesting because I'm how many subscribers did you have on your email list at the time when you were like around 10 to 12,000, um,
1: on the fizzle on the fizzle list? Um, I'd say, um, probably 40, 50,000, something like that.
0: Okay. Cause I experienced, I think the same thing on a much smaller scale, but I attributed it to my email size. So like, um, money lab, I could not grow Money Lab past 2000 downloads an episode. Like once I hit that, that was the plateau. And that was roughly the amount of subscribers that I had in my email list. And I just think that that's, you know, if you're not, you know, obviously like and Justin can definitely speak to this better than I can, but I for me it's always been difficult to promote a podcast. It's just a, it's a hard thing to do except just making the show great is one thing. And I, and I fully think that that's like the only thing you can really do is, is just spend the time to make the show great. And then eventually like, I guess people word of mouth will catch on and it'll, it'll happen. But like with something like this, like this, this platform, I still get to podcast in a way, but I get to title this I get to add your name to it. Anybody searching for you in, in YouTube is gonna find it. You know, like I, I exactly. get that benefit, you know, of of the Yeah. Of the and
1: platform. I think it just comes down to and and maybe this is something that, that smart people are working to solve. I mean, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. But but for me, audio podcasting just doesn't compound, right? Mm-hmm. Writing, publishing articles that compounds. Yeah. YouTube. You know, spend, you know, if you, if you consistently put up videos on YouTube, you'll gain subscribers and you will, you will see more and more people watching your videos over time. And you always have the chance of publishing a video that ends up getting like an outsized number of views, like a hundred times what your average views are. But I guarantee if you go back and look at the Money Lab podcast, like analytics, if you were averaging 2,000 you would be lucky to have an episode that did 10,000, right? That did five X, what you know, the average was.
0: It's crazy because last night we were, uh, we Steph had published a video on Swim University on on Saturday. And the first day, like it got, you know, we sent it out an email and it just did what it did. And then like a day or two later, we just watched, like in YouTube, we just saw it go like that. And we were like, and it was all from Google. And we hadn't, and it wasn't like within YouTube. And we were like, we literally can't figure out what happened. Yeah. Like, it's impossible. But, like, that's not going to happen in podcasting. It's just not. it, it yeah. Exclusively in that medium. I'm not saying that it can't happen. It it could happen. But it needs to be shared in some other sort of capacity because you can't – it's really hard to share – you know, I don't want to go too far on this, but it's hard to share, like, you know, a, a, an episode. And plus then, you know, you're letting somebody commit to, like, an hour to sit down and listen to it and get the, you know – you know that's what like headliner yeah. and those things are trying to do where you can take these snippets but then even those then it's just again it's like where are you going to where are you going to promote that social media
1: and then it's gone now uh, just a little counterpoint here so that people don't think that like we're that podcasting is dead or no that we're, i know i'm doing I'm sh- it right now i'm shitting this, on is this is it this is it we're we're doing it right now in a way and i will say that of the things that i've done over the past 10 years the Fizzle Show is absolutely one of the like top three most impactful things I've done. And as Justin points out, if you get someone to listen to an episode for a half hour or an hour, yeah, they are so in tune with you, with who you are, with what you're saying. And if they listen repeatedly week after week, I mean, those are your real true fans. And a single page view for an article is worth far, far less. So yeah. Um, you know, there, there are, there are different purposes. And I, and I think about this a lot when I write an article, I think often about the difference between writing for SEO versus writing for engagement. Sometimes I write an article purely for engagement. I want Mm -hmm. people to read this thing and I don't care necessarily if it, um, becomes popular in the search engines. I want... To change someone's thinking about something, so that they recognize me as an important voice to listen to.
0: I mean, and yeah, that was my lifestyle. Business post, for sure. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And that, and that's one of those things, Matt. That that like, you know, I read, and um, that influenced you texted me. I think. The, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I got a lot that's of those, a,
0: like people, like who know me personally. You know, texted me and said something.
1: Yeah, so, and so podcasting, I think. Is one of the um, most engaging things for the people that actually listen. Yeah, the trust factor that
0: you can build there is incredible.
1: Yeah, and so if podcasting, if you were able to solve that SEO piece for Mm -hmm. podcast or that discoverability, then it would be an amazing medium. And and you know maybe maybe some people have ideas for that. We tried a long time to create an article out of a podcast episode. We would. Yep. you know, outline everything like very intentionally, record the podcast and then take that, generate an article, embed the podcast in it. And in some cases we were actually able to get a decent amount of SEO. Um, however, if I look, you know, at the Fizzle archives, I think there were only two out of 22 podcast episodes that had been turned into articles out of the top 20 posts in terms of driving traffic. So it was still difficult. And and maybe that's just because of the topics or, or luck of the draw. Right. But, you know, I, I think um, obviously, you know, people are doing more to, to get podcasts out on social media, like, you know, turning them into things that are consumable on other platforms. But
0: mm-hmm. again,
1: those, those are ephemeral. They just kind of fly by in your feed and maybe you check it out. Maybe you don't, they're not long-term searchable like a YouTube video is or like a blog post or a, an article on your website can
0: be. Yeah. Um, can you explain this? The complete strip down of yeah. Fizzle and your and your personal site is this part of was it was this part of your digital reboot?
1: Yes. Yes. Why did yeah, you totally. Why did
0: you choose this? I'm curious because I I love it personally. <laughs> I think it's like yeah. So.
1: Couple of things. I mean, one is for me, the digital baggage isn't just content. It's also design. And yeah. Cause you gotta else. keep up
0: with that CSS. There's like all these different things that happen. I mean, this yes. is it.
1: So, so behind the scenes on that website and, and my own website, it's clean as a whistle right mm-hmm. now. Uh, I'm using tailwind CSS, which is like my new favorite technical invention of the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I ripped out all of the autoresponder sequences, like everything. I just stripped it down to bare metal, almost like I'm going to rebuild, you know, a car or something. Yeah. Um, so my personal site and the fizzle site look very similar right now. Right. Um, I think that some design elements will probably creep back into it more than just typography, like you see there, but at the same time, like I'm seeing, these things have the same level of impact that they would have if I put a bunch of fancy design around it, maybe more in some ways because people actually get to focus on yeah. on that. At the bottom of my own personal site, I've got a little link that that says that um, my site is... Um, intentionally minimal? And intentionally minimal. If you click on that, uh, there's a, a bit of a shout out to Justin there, actually, oh. um, because of his Oh, yeah, his words post? Page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But just... Just also my my thoughts on on uh, why my site is is so minimal. At the and point. you know
0: what's so interesting too is like you're probably gonna win in SEO because it's lightning fast.
1: It is so fast. It's and like, it's like people are uh,
0: reading mostly on mobile anyway, so it's like that's where it looks the best.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and right now I think both scores for Lighthouse Google's PageSpeed analyzer Analyzer like in the 90s for mobile and desktop, and and I love that. And if I add anything to it. I'm going to make sure that it stays that way because that that experience of having a site load like that just feels so good. It's
0: great. Yeah. Um, can we talk about running a community? Yeah. Because I'm I, this is a selfish ask now. And before we do, um, we're going to do a Q&A section at the end of the show. So if you have your questions for Corbett or for me about whether it's digitally starting over, running a community or... Whatever else that you think we could answer, uh, please t- say them in the chat and then we'll do a and a at the end. And I, it doesn't matter when you, when you answer the, when you ask the question, I'll go back through and pick some good ones. So, um, yeah, I have a selfish ask about running a community because I'm starting money lab pro. I don't know if you've heard, uh, what do you think of that That's idea? Uh, what do you think of that? Just in general, like, I, am I making a mistake? Cause no one is, no one has fought back at me. Um, usually like I'll usually have Andrew's voice, you know, or literally him saying like, it's a bad idea. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But I haven't heard it yet.
1: Okay. And, and just for me and for people listening to this, give me the, the two sentence summary of what, what do I get for being a money lab pro?
0: You get all of my courses and my WordPress theme. So you get carbonate, you get SEO for bloggers, all that stuff. And you get an online community where I will be there, like-minded people, peers. I've already had people who like you and I both know who are who are going um, to join disc- to share ideas, to get feedback on our things, to actually build something. Um, whether it's you already have a business and you need to build a product or you are starting a business or whatever, not really for noobs, but like more higher level. And then... This show will have like an overtime and after hours sort of thing that will be just for members. Plus I plan on just going live within like a private member's area and doing like actual work, like, you know, voyeuristic kind of stuff. So like just ideas like that. That's not two sentences, but that's kind of the gist.
1: Yeah. 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 Cool. What's the cost?
0: 49 a month or 499 a year.
1: Nice. Um, so Obviously, the model can work, right? It mm-hmm. it uh, has worked for Fizzle. We've earned close to four million dollars over the years from selling memberships, basically. Yeah. Uh, to a to a course library, to a community, all that kind of stuff. You see it working for Pat Flynn now, right? He's got his his SPI Pro or whatever. Oh, he does. And, and countless other people. Yeah, I think. Oh, so. I thought
0: he only. Oh, I didn't know that. I hope I'm not. I don't feel like he's caught. All right, whatever. I didn't know that. Don't worry about <laughs>
1: it. Don't worry about it. Uh the 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 beauty is in the recurring revenue, right? You 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 know uh have someone whose lifetime value as a customer, if they're even though upfront, like you said with fizzle, right? You yeah when when it when it was two hundred dollars or whatever, like, it felt yeah. too expensive to you.
0: To me. Once At the we time.
1: once we once we had like a you know a, a free trial or a dollar trial and then or $39 a month or something, suddenly it becomes accessible and you can get people in to actually kick the tires and see whether or not this thing is valuable to them. Mm -hmm. So the the beauty of it is that an individual might only be in for $29 and maybe they decide it's not great for them, but they at least got in to see if, if it was or not. Other people, on the other hand, we have people inside of Fizzle who have paid two, three, thousand dollars or more right and i i would never feel good about selling a single course for two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars it just feels like such a commitment and such a responsibility for me to deliver you were were hitting monthly
0: that 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 alone what you just said i don't really care about monthly recurring revenue i don't care I, i don't really care um you know about the model at all It's mostly how I feel about the sales process. I, again, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't feel comfortable selling my courses at a high price. I just don't. Um, you know, but everyone, everyone told me I don't charge enough. I don't charge enough for my courses. I don't charge enough for the things that I sell. Swim University, Brew Cab, all that shit, like all of it. And I'm like, yeah, I think we're all being sold the same level of bullshit, which is like, You know, you're, you need to charge, you know, a hundred dollars for your ebook, $300 for your course because courses, God, you go to Harvard, you know, that shit costs a lot of money. I'm like, this isn't Harvard, you know, like I, I just, I don't, you don't have to pay to, to, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's 15 years of my life boiled down into like four hours, you know, so that is valuable, but I also want it to be affordable too, because I, cause those, those are things that weren't available to me early on, except with, with, except for with Fizzle, which was a membership platform. So to me, it's really about that number, the $49 number, right? Where you're like, this is, this is impulse enough. It's easy for me to sell. I'm like, look, you get however many hours. I think it's like, I don't know. It's like 155 lessons right now. I don't remember the hours, but it's like a lot. And it's just like, you can try to take it all in one month, go for it. Like, I wouldn't be able to do it, but like, you stay in Fizzle like I stayed in Fizzle because like I was gaining value from it every single month, and it was like a nu- it, to me that money was m- more than worth it. So it's like, right. it felt like a no brainer, and I kind of feel that that's where I am now, and that's what I want to yes. do.
1: Yes, and I mean the in terms of the sales process, you mentioned that was one of the big things for you, right? Yeah, I can sell Fizzle all day long with I don't know what are there like eight paragraphs. Yeah, on the right. on the homepage right now. Yeah. Try to sell a a $2,000 course with that.
0: Exactly. exactly. And I'm not, I hate writing. I hate sales. The idea of like, oh, I have to like do another paragraph of like, you know, here's why. And this is why. And like, you're suffering and you're, you're, you're having this issue. And it's like, I don't know, you know, and I don't, I hate writing that stuff because I just want to, I literally want this. I want one page where I'm like all my shit, you know, plus this, plus that, plus this, plus that. Like selling the benefits, or sorry, selling the features, not the benefits, because I know that that's like yeah. a big thing. Like sell the sell the benefits of what you'll get, but that yeah. feels like I'm lying to you because you could not use it and you won't get those things. I I can't guarantee that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna your business is gonna make half a million dollars or or whatever. I can't do that, or I or I'm not gonna sit there and assume that you're struggling. Maybe you're not struggling, and I don't want to be that person.
1: You know, your, your courses are amazing. Like you really care. They're, they're not something that you just kind of like, and, and I could tell people like, I, I know from hearing you talk about how much effort you're putting into scripting and recording and making everything perfect. And, and your courses on SEO and, and, and everything are just amazing. So if someone actually takes that course, there's no doubt that they could get thousands of dollars worth of value. Yeah. They learn a couple of things in your SEO course or your YouTube course. Mm-hmm. That could change the trajectory of their career. Um, but that doesn't mean that everyone is going to get that value because the truth, the right. dirty secret about online courses is that there are millions of them out there and most people don't take them. They buy them aspirationally.
0: Oh, I could tell you. Yeah, there you can see it. The stats. I could tell you who took courses and who didn't.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like maybe what five or 10% or something of yeah. people that buy your course actually finish it. Right. So the beauty of charging monthly for access to courses is that people can choose their own LTV, their own lifetime value as a customer. And if they're getting tremendous value from you because they actually consume the stuff, then they're going to stick around for a very long time. And if they don't and they decide, shit, you know what? I bought that thing and it turns out I don't have time for this right now. I don't know what I was thinking. Then Mm -hmm. they can leave. And and either it was a trial or it was $49 for the first month or whatever. And they're not out much. There's no hard feelings. They don't have to write you and ask for a painful refund and all that kind of stuff. But the beauty is that the hurdle to get them into the thing is so much lower Yeah, and that's the thing. And so you can get a lot more people to try your stuff. So. I love it. I'm bullish on it. I cool. don't necessarily still. think it's the still good. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Subscriptions. A hundred percent. I love them. Now, managing a community, keeping it interesting, not getting burned out on it. All that okay. of stuff there. There's a lot behind the scenes. That's not just about the model and about the sales process. All
0: right, I, I need to get into this because I have, uh, let me, let me ask one question that I wrote that's down. Right. What are some things I should expect that most new community starters don't think about or no one tells them to expect?
1: To me, it's a little bit like trying to start a campfire with wet wood in like a shitty environment. You, you have to, once the thing gets going, you'll be fine. But getting it going in the beginning is going to require a lot of attention a lot of care and attention on your part. Now, of course, it depends on how many people are in there. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of community members think, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna launch this thing. And and realistically, let's say, you know, you get 100 people to buy your thing, but after you get 100 people to buy your thing, only half of them ever check into the community, only half of those ever come back a second time. And so it gets whittled down, the numbers smaller and smaller, and trying to have a vibrant conversation with an online community requires people participating and so the owner the community the community owner a lot of times is going to have to spend a lot more time feeding and caring for it than Mm -hmm. they anticipated and when people think that a community is just going to be a set it and forget it kind of thing i'll pop in once in a while and check on people that's not how it works so it's going to be a lot of effort in your in in the beginning for most people
0: okay because i i Expect, I fully expect that. And I'm kind of looking forward to that part. You know, you you asked me this six months ago, I would have said, There's no way in hell I'm going to ever run a community because I've heard the horror stories of like, totally. And and my friend uh, Travis and Jason, who run Location Indie, I I literally sat down with them in my house and I was thinking about doing this Money Lab Pro like two or three years ago. And they were like, You are going to fucking hate it. Like you, Matt, you will hate it. You, you, and I think for the longest time, I've been averse to wanting to help, like handhold and help people. I, I have this aversion to it. But I, but after 2020 and after my 2019, like I don't have that anymore. Whatever that was, I'm like, I think what, what you had mentioned earlier about the coaching thing and how you, you saw that as a very, pleasurable experience in, in 2020 I'm assuming that I think that that's what I ultimately want in life
1: yeah 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 and maybe it's something about 2020 I mean obviously people are just at home more and, mm-hmm. and uh, spending more time online but we've we've seen uh, the coaching really gel in a way at fizzle that has felt really good and and I know that people are getting a lot of value from and
0: that. that's rewarding for you right?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. incredibly rewarding. Okay. In fact, and 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 not just for me, I I have um Jen Rao on the fizzle team also leads some of our coaching events. And sure. afterwards the two of us always catch up about it. And she's she's like, Oh my God, like somebody cried on this on today's thing, and it was yeah. just so cathartic and and so so kumbaya, and everybody feels so good about it. And um and she and I feel the same way. So so that so that's amazing. I will say that. The other mistake is I think a lot of um, people assume that when they say starting a community, Mm -hmm. that that just means the forums or the, the, the chat, whatever form that takes. But a community is really the people and the relationships and interactions that they have. And those happen in a lot of places. And to really gel as a community, you probably have to have more than just a chat happening. And, and that's where the coaching or doing a live stream or whatever really takes it to the next level. And then once people know each other, then coming back every week is just okay. easy because they start to care about each other. Like I start – I l- legitimately care about tons of Fizzle members. Like we have Vicky on mm-hmm. um, right now who has been inside of Fizzle forever. And when I see her on the calls every week, yeah, I – legitimately want to know what's going on oh, in what's your business, co- yeah, I right. feel a vested interest in, in making sure that things are going well for her. So, um, just thinking about the community as deeper than purely, you know, just conversations. Yeah.
0: So, um, my
1: blow. Oh yes. It happened. I was, I was hoping I actually forgot that, that was
0: possible. <laughs> I don't know when to do it. You know, it's yeah. just there for me to do when I need to do it. Well,
1: it was my fault. I didn't say anything that was mind blowing yet.
0: <laughs> that was my, I mean, like you helping me with the community part of it. I do. I, I kind of expected that at this point. What I don't, what I, what I'm not really sure about where I'm kind of like, uh, a little wavering a bit is the slack. Cause like we're right now I'm using podia to sell everything, which I love. Um, they offer Palapa as part of, you know, I could, I could use that. And I have questions. Um, I chose Slack cause I'm already in Slack as a, as a, as a user, but, and yeah. people have been to- telling me it's not really great for running a community. You know, it's, I get it for business. I, it makes sense. And I don't really yeah. see, cause like, you know, I'm part of like the, um, Mr. Money mustache, you know, headquarter, um. Co-working space thing. So for me, I I, I find tremendous value from that community uh, in yeah. Slack. But what am I what am I not thinking about? Like what am I missing? Because I because I'm clearly missing something. And I, and that's the thing. I don't want to start. The, and I don't mind switching at some point. But I don't want to start this thing off because the tool is wrong or because you know it's just it's not conducive to what I'm trying to do. Because I will say like one of the things I want to do. The first thing I want to do is in February when I launch this thing. Um, is I want to build a course for Brew Cabin, and I want to like make it a challenge for everyone to build some sort of product for their thing, and I want that to be a a thing we all work on, share feedback, all that stuff. How do we like? It, I don't know if that's the right platform for me or not. Yeah, and I know you're so, biased, but yeah,
1: I'm not. I, I I don't think I'm 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 biased. I mean, I I think that. Slack has worked for plenty of communities, and in some circles, depending on who you're trying to reach, a big portion of your audience may already use Slack for other things. And that's so kind of really what I was... Easy. Yeah. That's kind of really easy for them. Okay. That's what and Justin, Justin just said, easy. too. Yeah. You want to make it easy for yourself as well, and and that's why a lot of people choose Facebook for their community, because their customers use Facebook. And so they end up hosting a Facebook group for their community and that can work fine as well. You know, and Justin that's the saying, other thing,
0: that's the thing I want to, the, the other thing I'm planning on doing is like this podcast or this video show, this live show, um, I want to create like an additional thing. Like you and I would go, okay, we're done on YouTube. Let's go and just do a show for the, the money lab pro members. And the only place I can really do that is Facebook because then that, that way, I mean, I can publish it in other places, but if you want to join live and get the feedback from the audience, like it's really YouTube or Facebook, unfortunately. Which, and again, I am people are already there. As much as I personally don't use it, it does make the most sense for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be, uh, it could be, you know, Twitch. There's there are other yeah, platforms yeah. So you could do that. You could also probably uh, throw up a page with chat in it and and mm-hmm. so on. That's and, true. And embed the video on it. Um, so there are different ways to do it. But in, in terms of the community, like the problems with Facebook are evident, I yeah. hope, for most people. It's like, I, I don't want to base my business on Facebook and, sure. and they can change the rules and so on. So that's that's why I wouldn't choose Facebook. In terms of Slack, I, I think there are, there are a couple of things to be concerned about. One is some people are in like 10 different Slack groups already. And so they may not value yet another Slack group mm-hmm. in some ways. That's possible. But I think the big issue with Slack is that once you get to a certain size, conversations can get really hard to buried, follow. Buried, right? It's just like they can just get buried. There's just yeah. so much happening in there, and they're not. This is sort of like your issues with social media. Once you say something, it's not like it's easy to find that thing again. It's Slack is very much ephemeral, real time conversations not long-term searchable conversations like you would find in a forum, in a traditional forum.
0: Well, that's interesting because like what I could do and probably will do is like every one of these live streams with Ecamm is recorded, you know, like within my own, on my own computer. So what I could do in that case is like, yes, we could go live on Facebook. Yes, it will vanish into the ethos, but then I could take that and put it into Podia. And it's like, oh, now all of my additional live streams live there also. But at that point, you're just watching a recording as opposed to actually engaging with the show in real time. Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
1: and I and I'm talking more about the day to day conversations that people are having in the community on Slack it's it you know and i i hate like for example i i spent a lot of time like writing software digging into details and stuff and i i know that you have to some degree as well mm-hmm. i hate when i'm searching for something on google and the answer ends up being on one of those platforms where <laughs> right there's just a, the a stack overflow right not well no i actually like stack overflow because it's organized people vote on the answer the, the information you need is there, but there are a couple of others, and maybe Justin can can chime in on this. I, I forget the names of them, but there are some that are more Slack-like, but they're public. And oh. when you go to the answer, you have to read through like the hmm. chit-chat that was going on, including other things that are in the middle of the conversation that was happening. Slack, Slack's problem is, even though it has threading, three conversations can be happening at once. You know, you said something up here, I'm responding to that, even though other people have moved on and talk, and they're talking about something else. Right. So it's just not that organized. And and, and that to me is, is the problem of the way that information is organized in, in, inside of Slack. And that's why we ended up building Pull Up ourselves for Fizzle and now we sell it to other communities um, because forums are dated, they're old, but they are searchable, you, and they're well organized. And yeah. so bringing the two together was, was what we were trying to do. Um, Tiago Faria is asking if we've tried Circle as a community platform. I know Circle's getting a lot of um, I never even heard of that. A lot of juice right now. So Circle is uh, built by, I think the guys came from um, Gumroad and Teachable maybe, and I think they've raised a little bit of money. Okay. And I think that's what Pat Flynn is using for his community. So there's there's some buzz there around Circle. I think Mighty Networks is another one that's kind of in a similar yeah, I've space. Heard, yeah, I've heard of those. So, you know, there are a lot of people trying to tackle this in different ways because Slack isn't perfect and forums aren't perfect either. Sure. And once you launch a community, it's nice, you know, like you're gonna have this Podia page for all of your embeds and stuff, but then the community's somewhere else. It kind of sucks to have people have to bounce around between different sites and platforms to access all of your stuff. So you know, having one thing where everything can live, yeah, is nice. And I think that's what you know, that's what a lot of platforms are trying to do right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly like open to all of the different things. I think Slack is the easiest for me to kind of start because I already understand it. I don't have to learn a new thing. Um, but it's yeah. very. I mean, I, I would love to have a problem where it becomes. Difficult to actually manage a community because of the limitations of slack and then I can move it somewhere else. But, um,
1: well, you moving, moving a community is like a, a very ginger infrequent kind of thing. And if you're going to want to do it, you might want to do it early before people get, you know, People end up with strong opinions about the Mm -hmm. software that you're using, especially if it's something that's already in their workflow. The challenge of any community is in getting it to become a part of people's daily experience. And this is true for any software, right? Somebody signs up for something, they're likely to move on and forget that they ever signed up for the software unless you can have it become part of their daily experience, especially when it comes to communities and so on. So, mm-hmm. um, once you've gotten your software, like, or your community with Slack or anything else into people's phones, into their routine where it's part of their morning thing, they just log into the community and take a look at it. Yeah. Then it's really hard to move it. Justin mentioned that he tried switching his community to discord, yeah. but people said loudly that they open Slack every morning Yeah. and for them to participate in the community, it needs to be somewhere that's really easy for them to get to. How do I
0: not suck at running a community? How do I like, like, what would make it like, what, what, what did, what do you wish you did early on or maybe did do early on that was like, absolutely, like, this is the only way to do it?
1: Well, especially, I, you know, you know I, in the
0: business community, like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I had tried in the past to start a couple of different forums and things sometimes associated with a course, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically for a course that people bought. Um, And I found that they always kind of fizzled out over time. It started (laughs) with good intentions and then they just, uh, people, um, we never really established that pattern of usage and people moved on. So that's the important thing is just for you to get to establish this as something that people do. In their regular day to day or week to week. And um, mm. in order to do that, I would say there are a couple of, you know, there are a bunch of little tricks. I, I think I wrote an article about like 10 things that you should do as a new community owner. I'll, I'll look for that and try to send it to you. But for example, you know, you want to make sure that no posts go left behind in the beginning. Make sure that if somebody posts something, that you're there to answer it if, if someone else doesn't, because that's a terrible first experience, right? You log into a community. And you end up, uh, you know, just not getting a response. There you go. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So there's there's a bunch of tips in there um, that you can take a look at. And do you think
0: these are still good? Like they're still relevant?
1: Uh, I'll. I'd have to <laughs> look, look through look. it. I'm sure. I'm sure that. I'm sure that at least half of it is okay. And Vicky is saying in the comments, you know, as someone who belongs to several communities, I'll say that the ones who suck versus those that don't. Usually have to do with the amount of engagement from the person okay. who's starting it. Yeah. And that's and the so thing. I,
0: I I certainly think that I am like, I know I need to, and I, I, I'm actually looking forward to getting into there and being a part of and talking to people because when I do money lab emails, when I send an email to people, I sometimes will literally just end with a question because I want the replies because I like the, I like replying back. And I'm like, wait, why am I doing, like, I, I love this with email, but then at the same time, I'm like, you know, so adverse to like, you know, being a part of a community. But again, I, you know, one of the things that I know that people struggle with is like notifications, right? Notifications for all their social media platforms. And it's like this overload, you know, now only like today, am I seeing people go turn off all notifications, you know, after this fucking capital seed shit. So it's like, cause people yeah. are stressed out. I'm like, I've had my notifications turned off since like I had an iPhone because like, yeah. you know, my, I have a Apple watch. Literally this thing tells time. That's what it does. And it, and it tracks my, like, you know, when I, when to stand, <laughs> like, I don't get text you messages,
1: could have bought a Timex for $25. Could have
0: got, could have got a, could have got a Casio, but I, I, you yeah. know, I just, I don't, I don't have that same relationship, especially with Slack, Because Slack too. I remember when I first started using it, I'm like, this is too much. Like I, it, I can't keep up with this. And now I'm like, I actually love it because of the way that I have my relationship with it, especially with the two, um, groups that I'm in, like I get a lot of value and I get like instant stuff with it, which is awesome. So like, I, yeah, if I will, I mean, that's good to know and, and, you know, kind of it my original thought because I, I know that like I, the, the thing I kind of like actively avoided thinking and realizing is, is people don't care about me. Right, they don't like. What, who am I? You know, it's like, isn't it? Everybody else together doing a thing. It's like, no, they really just want access to me, right? And would they wouldn't sign up otherwise.
1: It's both. I mean, you know, they they probably will sign up because they want access to you because they want access to the or just be able to ask me something. Yeah. A, yeah, a tremendous value, but. In order for them to stick around, they're going to have to get more from it than just you because there's not enough of you to go around. no, and I point, I right?
0: just want people to work. and I want I want to be I want to be in a place where I can I like working, you know, co-working. I like, yeah, uh, showing my work, even the little tiny things I did, like even that little thing that I did Mind I showed that yesterday on Twitter because I was like, oh, I spent like, you know, two hours making this thing. And, you know, for just that moment alone, and I just like showing that off and I just like to see the feedback or just like, be you know, like, oh, cool. I'm I'm proud of this thing that I did and, and whatever. So
1: the, the trick with notifications, you know, yes, I agree. Like you should turn them off, uh, and you know, choose where you're spending your time as opposed to just being like pulled into stuff as a community owner. The issue is when people first sign up. You know, they might pop into your community, post a question or answer something, or maybe somebody asks them a question and then they move on and they completely forget. And if they don't get some kind of notification telling them that there's an answer for them in there, that someone asked them a question, then they may never come back again. They may come back like a month later and go, oh my God, I can't believe this was sitting here. I wish I had known somebody was waiting for an answer from me. So, uh, you know, whether it's emails or, or what, and, and this is where you can be a really smart community manager owner. You can email people and say, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a question in here that I think you would be really good to answer. Would you mind taking a second to answer this person's question mm-hmm. or so-and-so wanted to hear from you and you didn't respond. So I thought I'd send you this, right? It doesn't have to be the built-in notifications. You could do this yourself. And, and as Vicki is pointing out the participation in the community doesn't necessarily have to come from Matt. It could come from people that are on Matt's team and that can work really well. That yeah. worked really well at fizzle for a long time.
0: And you know, my plan is not to have a team. My plan is to have ambassadors. Yeah. You know, like I don't, right. you know, I I don't, Oh, well, who knows that could change. Like I, I, I just, yeah. I know I can't, I'm not going to be able to run everything alone forever, but certainly right. like, I like keeping things, you know, this past year, if you, you know, if you read any of my posts recently, it's like, I am trying to kind of manage my little world which is like this is it's actually the reason why I'm sort of consolidating all of my Money Lab content into one one place, one message. You know, Swim University works the same way, Brew Cabin works the same way, so it might as well work for for Money Lab. So yeah. Um yeah. Corbett. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. We're not done yet. If you have time, I don't want to take up all your time. I know you're you know, no, relaxing your I've got
1: I've got nothing right now. I'm I'm just, you know, if I wasn't here, I'd be like sitting in the pool. And that's
0: so you do have something doing to do
1: anybody. No, I'm kidding. Well, I, I would I would rather be nowhere. So, okay. Right here.
0: I appreciate that. And same. So we are going to do some Q&A. Um, I'm going to go back through. I know people asked questions and I, I think there was one very early on. Um. Of course, I got this.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And
0: there we You're go. Have
1: to,
0: there we go. There we go. Uh, which platform will you use for your community? Slack. And what's the one thing that I'll do to make sure people keep coming back every day? What would, what, if you had to do one thing?
1: Uh. Well, how many people do you think are going to be in the community? 40,000 like maybe?
0: No, I don't know. It's probably, you know, if I get a hundred, I'm lucky. I, I I'm, my goal is a hundred, you know, in the first year.
1: Yeah. So if I had less than a hundred people, I would personally email people at least a couple of times a week with things to bring them back to the community. Hey, so-and-so I haven't seen you in the community for a bit this conversation that's going on is really awesome. I thought you might appreciate it. That sort of thing. Mm. Personally email people and just keep bringing them back. Anyone that you don't see in there, keep bringing them back.
0: Okay. Then that's what I will do. Will there be additional support via the community for Carb, this just feels like an ad, like I'm doing for MoneyLab Pro. Um, <laughs> for for Carbonate, which is my WordPress theme, um, page B for bloggers will be in there, yes. Um, there will be additional support. It's kind of naturally going to happen. You know, uh, not that I, I'm notoriously, I offer zero customer support for carbonate because I, I can't sit there and like, look at people's code and figure out every little thing that's wrong. But I will definitely, I mean, I, what I recently did was take all of the content from, so I used to have a site called buycarbonate.com or I would, it was, which used use the carbonate theme. And all of my posts were there on how to use the actual theme. I took that down. And now it's all within MoneyLab. So you log into your MoneyLab account where you bought Carbonate and now all of the help docs are there and I'm going to add more video and improve it and all that stuff. So um, yeah, that's basically, you can say yes and no, I guess. Um, there will definitely be more support, but I'm not going to um, go in there and like actually look at your site and, and help you customer service wise, I should say.
1: I will say, Matt, that one of the most surprisingly enjoyable and valuable things that we've done in Fizzle uh, is the occasional like website critique or teardown, where people just volunteer their sites to be roasted live. Okay.
0: You want to do something today? I've sure. not, I've oh, not okay. shown this yet. I'm still trying to figure out how this works, but check this out. So we're going to critique fizzle.com
1: uh,
0: together that was even though it says mealprepify.com because that's what i'm working on right now
1: love it meal prepify that's so what what
0: <laughs> that's, that was so, it <laughs> that well because i didn't have anything prepared but like that yeah, yeah, yeah. so the idea is uh within the community that is going to be and something that i'll do in the live show occasionally yes that is that that whole live setup that you just saw is the idea that we're going to critique websites and help them improve page speed, SEO, sales, copy, design elements, all that stuff. Cause I feel like that's the thing I'm actually good at. Yes. You know, yes.
1: that's, that's, that's part of the sweet spot. The core value also, uh, people in a community like that, a lot of them are launching new projects or they've been working on a project for a while and they're not getting any feedback, right? They, they, you can't tell if someone likes your website, doesn't like your website. You just can't tell, why is no one signing up for my email list? Why is no one buying my thing? And so if you, Matt, can give them a critique, mm-hmm. at least they have something to go on. They have someone else's opinion. It's like when you're um, building software, sometimes you pay for uh, testing, basically. People, you just have like random strangers log into your website. They record them talking yeah. about- Oh
0: yeah, I've, I've used you that know, before.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's the same kind of thing. You you're providing that to your members and, and that Oh, is- I could
0: do that all day. Nice. All day. Uh does Money Lab equal blogging? Is that what Money Lab is? Do you know- I- Yeah, kinda.
1: I think he's asking, I think he's asking in in the context of when we were talking about yeah. writing articles that last forever versus like just thoughts here and there. And mm-hmm. and Money Lab is a series you know like you write updates here's what I'm up to
0: yeah but it's, so that, it's that but those post like the goal of those is like yes i am blogging but i'm not sharing my thoughts like i'm not sharing like um, i think the world would be better if we all did this i i'm mm-hmm. i'm mostly just documenting my progress into a, a, a particular project and instead of creating individual blog posts i'm updating one post so that at the end of it you know which I'm, which I constantly edit. By the way, uh, yeah. now you have a post that lives forever that actually can be useful to somebody. Like you can see the entire process of me build, uh, you know, creating a course in seven days and every and how I did it in real time, and then now it lives forever as like a blueprint on literally how to do something like that. So it's it's kind of both, I would say. And that was the and idea I- behind it the whole time.
1: And again, you know, I and I, I think there are different sites that need different things. You you could easily like at, at Swim University, it's like maybe like most people probably don't care to engage with you or know who the hell is behind the site. They just Correct. want answers and they want to move on. Yeah. In other cases, like with Money Lab, you really need to engage people, right? Mm-hmm. And that's again where I think content has two big purposes for me. One is to be this long-term thing that draws new people in. The second is just to engage people and make connections with them to really yeah. like deliver value. And sometimes that needs to be a little bit more conversational, a little bit more real time, real time. You
0: know? I, well, I actually did it on brew cabin recently when I was building my brewery, I was, do, I did a money lab style post where I updated the post and sent out emails to the list saying like, Hey, I just did, you know, I just added this, you just, we just added the drywall. We just uh, installed this, you know? hood for the, for, for steam, yeah. you know, of, of evaporation. So like, and then I would send those emails out and now it ranks for how to build a home brewery because it's like a 6,000 word, like ridiculous documentation on everything that I did, all the money that I spent, all the decisions that I made into it. So it's like it's kind of everything um, I like that.
1: that. It's really kind of the, the Austin Cleon show your work approach yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then well, that's the whole that that's Money being, Lab
0: a hundred percent. Like that's that was literally one of the inspirations for it. Was I need I wanted a place to show my work that wasn't social media where my work the, where the homework didn't just disappear. I, it could live forever, and people could see the mistakes and see all that. Yeah. So, um, how did your community respond to the strip down of the Fizzle design?
1: Um, I would say with slight curiosity and no more that they think about the fizzle design change you know it really impacts the public facing stuff the blog Mm -hmm. the podcast the homepage. yep and the majority of someone's fizzle experience is behind the scenes it's the community it's the coaching calls it's the uh courses and the design of those things really hasn't changed so it didn't it didn't so for uh, the people
0: inside it wasn't really that
1: it didn't matter that much. A few people were curious, but that's about it.
0: And like you, you know, if you're, if you're in fizzle and you're listening to the podcast, like you don't see the podcast pages change, right? Besides, unless you went to go look at like show notes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, um, Hey, here's somebody I know. Uh, <laughs> how do you think, how important do you think a roadmap and milestones are for members to have in a membership? You did this kind of later on. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you like, were
1: you were in Fizzle when we made that transition. When you
0: made right? this, yeah, I was.
1: Yeah, uh, it it ended up being incredibly important. I would say, really, now looking back, like one of the core values of Fizzle is the structured roadmap that people can follow, and it's something that we resisted for several years just because I didn't feel like it was really um, possible for us necessarily to construct. A roadmap for how to build a business that would remain relevant over time but we finally buckled down and did it and Mm -hmm. the roadmap hasn't have it hasn't had to change that much because we really just focused on the foundations so um in terms of money lab you know it depends on why people are signing up right for fizzle people had signed up because they literally wanted to go from wherever they were to eventually earning a living from yeah you know, producing things online. And so it was a a journey that people were signing up for and they wanted more guidance than just here's, you know, two dozen courses for you to take.
0: Yeah. So, um, I was originally going to launch the money lab pro membership on January 20th. Um, after last week, I am pushing that back for several reasons, but one of the main reasons is because, uh, I wanted I, I, I've heard this loud and clear. Like when you look at my courses, which one do I take first? You know, if I'm getting in there, like how does this one relate to this one? Because if you take the page speed course, like, and you didn't, you take the SEO one second, it's kind of out of order. And so what I'd like to do is create a sort of like membership only course that's, that guides them through how to take, you know, all of the content and then how to engage with the audience and how I believe you know, and and basically using my journey as sort of the roadmap and like, here's the things I I wish that I had done in my last 15 years in the exact order that I would do them if I were coming into MoneyLab Pro for the first time and also developing an area where I would say if you already have stuff, because I know I have a lot of friends who are planning on joining who already, who are like you and me, they already do what we do. So it's like, well, how do you get value from, money lab if you are not just starting out. And a lot of the courses that I'd make are not really for beginners. They're for people who just wanna be uh just wanna like take that skill set of either SEO or making their website faster or YouTube or uh like monetization, anything like that to another level or or to make it easier for them. So I that's one of the things that I, you know, and even Nathaniel talking to him because you know he lives here, I'm friends with him. And so like we we've talked about that and that's what I, that's what I ultimately want to do. I am not going to build what you guys built, which was like, you know, a walkable through roadmap cause I'm using Podia. But I figured if I made a course that sort of like quickly outlined, you know, different yeah. paths you can take, I think that would, that would make sense.
1: Yeah. And you're going to want some sort of an intro course for people to take anyway, right? Just to kind of understand like what, what the whole deal.
0: Doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so you're saying Nathaniel was a plant today?
0: He you, you know paid him to show up. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't plan him. He planted himself. But yes. He, uh No. But we talked about this uh, over the weekend. You know. So because he because he runs uh, a membership site as well, and so like it was he had a lot to offer me as far as like you know having challenges for people to do, having you know giving them reasons to come back, you know making sure that they have like a guided path rule your thing because otherwise like you know if you just call it the netflix for online business it's like well you know where do you start
1: yeah and i mean those those exist to some degree already in um like udemy and creative live and other right. places that have thousands and thousands of courses and you know you and i aren't going to compete with that
0: no um So I think that's it. That's all the questions that we got from the community. Thank you, everybody, for doing that. Um, Corbett, is there anything that you want to plug while you're here? I know we talked about Palapa, but is there anything specifically that you want to plug?
1: No, I mean, I think that um, there are going to be a lot of interesting things that will come out of the next several months for me. And uh, if you want to follow along, just head over to my website sign up for the newsletter and I'll send you maybe an email or two a month uh, whenever anything like really important happens. And um, I'm just kind of thinking out loud right now about what I want to do. and uh, you know right now I'm 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 positioning myself as someone who's talking about earning a living as an independent creator, which isn't that different from what I've done at fizzle. Sure. but uh, I really want to, at this stage of my career, think about what is the next decade? What are the next two decades going to look like? And also, honestly, when we got started, uh, things were a lot different than they are right now. And the the, the zeitgeist right now is very much around creators being able to earn a living, whether it's being a streamer or somebody Mm -hmm. who has a paid newsletter or somebody that creates online courses. This is really becoming much more mainstream right now. And, uh, I just think that there are going to be millions of people earning a living in this way over the coming decade or so.
0: What, why, when you say like 20, 30 years from now, what do you envision?
1: Well, I'm also thinking about how I'm personally going to stay relevant and engaged as a 50, 60 year old, because, um, I, I foresee myself as being someone who works the day I die. You say love watching documentaries about like old couples in New York who are like 90 years old and they still like answer the phones because he's a lawyer and she's an accountant or whatever, like that sort of thing. Um, and my wife is very much in the same boat because she's a painter. So partly it's, it's thinking long-term, um, just because I want to make sure that I can stay relevant.
0: I have not even thought that far in the future. I just thought I want to retire soon and what does that look like (laughs) but you
1: just said you don't want to retire
0: oh no i will always work but i want to financially retire if that makes sense yeah of course um and also like i got i got my things i have a fucking brewery in my house i gotta make i gotta start making beer you know i got things i got a pond to fix today i got things to do
1: yeah Um, i wish we had had some beer on this on this call i know it's not that kind of show but it,
0: well it may be i'm i'm in uh i'm not in dry january but i'm definitely in get in shape or at least jump start my get in shape you know in 2021 thing so i think for the uh, first like month i'm gonna just like not abstain for beer trust me i drank beer this morning as a matter of fact i first thing in the morning eight yeah. thirty, woke up went down to the brewery to test to see how carbonated my kolsch was so i like you know had some sips um
1: so I, i'm i'm doing more of a wet january I so it's think. like super it is you would,
0: a lot of booze
1: it's boozy but but i will say and and vicky mentioned that i beer shamed her once because yes on a on a on a friday afternoon call she was i think she was drinking like a Michelob ultra or something and uh oh that's for runners right at, i had a good laugh at her expense however i will say that over the past month since arriving in mexico i decided i'm not going to drink any ipa i mean you can't really get that kind of stuff here no crap yeah but i i just said screw it and i've been drinking light beer like corona light which is pretty much flavorless but if you squirt enough lime and salt in it sure it actually becomes a a goza (laughs) it becomes a goza and i you know i think i've dropped like five or ten pounds in in the past month just because i'm not drinking three 500 calorie ipas every day yeah
0: i mean my friend good yeah my friend and i were just talking about um so my buddy Alex and I were talking about how we are are looking forward to like we like drinking the light beers now and even Nathaniel and I we like, that's all that's like our hobby right so like we will just you know like even this weekend I went over there like we opened up IPAs but at a certain point I'm get to the point where I'm like I just want like uh pills I want beer flavored beer I just want something like light I want something I can drink a lot of and not feel literally drunk as shit right because i'm drinking like a ipa that's seven percent right eight percent exactly uh or you know and something that because i like consuming liquids you know i have to stop myself from drinking all this water because otherwise i'll have to like take a piss in the middle of this live stream but like it's yeah i want that feeling of like drinking no one capped that but i'm just saying (laughs) do
1: you ever drink two two
0: at once two two do i do this
1: (laughs) yeah Screen cap.
0: Ah, oh, no. Uh Yeah, so, cool. Uh, dude, I appreciate this, as always. Um, I didn't make you my first guess. I usually make you my first guess on all new things that I start.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: no, I didn't I, want to do that I to you this time.
1: No, I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you have all the uh, on-screen antics. It was fun. Mind blow. All right, three times. So good.
0: Um. So we'll catch up you'll do this again you'll be a friend of the show yes
1: yes i would i would love to in fact uh my one of my goals decisions this year especially if i'm going to put the fizzle show on indefinite hiatus is going to be to be on other shows Mm. just to fill that void because i I need to talk to strangers on the internet otherwise i go crazy
0: right all right well we're gonna end the show but stick around okay okay all right cool That's it, goodbye.